I got my first job when I was 12 years old, delivering papers. I was a paper boy. Um, I think pretty much I fell into it because my both my older brothers had done it, and I think I originally took over one of their paper routes. So I was a paper boy, and I was a paper boy from the time I was 12 to the time I graduated high school at 18. It was my first job, and it was a pretty good job. It was a real job. I had to get up at uh, around 3 or 4 in the morning, every morning. I had a I had a morning paper out. You could have a morning or evening. I didn't want to like get off of school and deliver papers, so I would get up early. Rain, sleet, snow. I was like the mailman. <laughs> I delivered papers, and I had to go on Friday evenings and collect my payment. And I actually had to pay the paper company. So it was like almost like um, my own business, you know. The product was delivered to me, and I delivered it to my customers. But I had to collect, and then I had to pay for the product. It was a good first job. And um, my family was lower middle class, probably pretty low (laughs) middle class. So even at those younger ages... Uh, preteen and high school, I was buying a lot of my own clothes, you know, if I wanted nicer clothes. But I just always had a job from 12 on. And I think it really taught me a lot of good things. It taught me a, a good work ethic. It taught, taught me responsibility. I had to deliver those papers. I still, to this day, will have dreams every once in a while where I'm delivering papers. <laughs> that tells you how uh, much it was a part of my life. Um, sometimes I'll dream that I, I can't remember which houses to deliver because I had them memorized. After after a while, I just knew I knew which houses to deliver to. But I still have dreams about that. It's kind of funny. Um, so hey, welcome guys. This is the modern. This is sorry. <laughs> this is the Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host Jay Randall Ori. My other podcast is the Modern Contemplative. This is not that. But you can check those out too at my website, www.moderncontemplative.com. But today, I want to talk about capitalism. What about capitalism? Is it good? Is it bad? Now, disclaimer, I'm not an economist. And this is also not a political podcast. I'm not going to try and promote or decry capitalism per se as a, as a political uh, from from a political standpoint, so I'm not gonna say, tell you capitalism's evil, socialism's awesome. I'm not a communist. I'm not a socialist. I'm not a capitalist. I'm very apolitical. Just so you know, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a liberal. I'm just um, I'm a person who cares about uh, people. I care about people's spiritual development and human development. So. Um, but I want to talk about capitalism in those terms. Like, is capitalism good? Well, I wouldn't say capitalism is bad, but I would say it's not a good value system, and that's what I want to talk about. Like, what is capitalism good for, and what is it not good for? So, let's get into it. I don't know if you know this. Uh, I do have my master's in cultural studies, and I've studied history as a part of that. 
just kind of the changes in the culture and human cultures throughout the throughout its our history. <laughs> and I don't know if you know, for most of human history, we've been an agriculturally based society, which means we were farmers. And I mean, this, this is an interesting port, interesting point <laughs> about all of this, is that. You know, what you do for a living really does shape culture. And how much it shapes culture depends, but it is. It's just a factor. Like, So the fact that humanity was an agriculturally based society for a very, very long time, for most of its existence, had, did shape human culture. Um, people lived close to the land. People depended on crops succeeding or failing. And if you didn't also know, this affected religion. Like how you survived, how you earned a living, how you provided for yourself was was very important. So it was also important that the gods helped you out, you know, because you were dependent upon the earth. You were dependent upon rain seasons and crop seasons and harvest and things growing and Obviously, most of the history of humanity, we didn't have the agricultural technology that we do and the understanding of soil nutrients and um, even genetics, um, being able to curb and control weeds and pests. And like we, there was just, we were at the mercy as, as humans, we were at the mercy of nature. And so religion was very much nature based. Like the gods were either going to favor you and your crops and your family and your even childbearing and family. Like you needed to have a lot of kids if you were a farmer to do a lot of the work. Like the more kids, the bigger your family, the more you could grow. Of course, the more you needed to grow. But this was all interconnected. So religion, politics, uh human culture. It was all tied to the land. Everything was earth-based, you know, until about the 1600s. And I'm not, again, I didn't do any research for this, so I'm just giving really ballpark figures here. But around the 1600s, 1700s, we had what we called the Industrial Revolution. It really coincided with the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. I think the Renaissance kind of preceded and led up to the Industrial Revolution because the Renaissance, there was a lot of just old ideas that were being shoved to the side. Even the Catholic Church and how it had really controlled industry and culture was beginning to be swept to the side in the Renaissance and people were kind of becoming more free to explore things and just new discoveries were being made. Um, I believe it was it was around that time that Newton came up with his Principia, like science was advancing, art was advancing, politics were advancing. So all of this, this Renaissance period, led up to um, the Enlightenment and really what you have, you have this perfect storm of ideas and cultural changes just coming together in the Industrial Revolution. And the Industrial Revolution coincided with really the formation of democracy. People were becoming more wealthy. More people were able to make 
more money and be more well off and then new ideas were coming in politically as well and people were wanting to be more free and so a lot of people a lot of nations at that time were also starting to challenge the old systems of government which were monarchies so democracy came up with industrialism and so really capitalism grew out of this new freedom more people had the ability to make money and even our monetary system was growing so what we what you really see for since the 17 1700s um you know the last 4 to 500 years have been very different from all previous generations in history human history and that we shifted culturally politically from an agricultural based society to an industrial based society where people were not dependent upon the land and crops and the gods but we were dependent upon industry and it became even more important for government to regulate and and you also have people like big cities growing up because people can live closer together we don't have to have all this land um and it did grow wealth for people too because but in an agriculturally based society wealth was land based and you had land barons whoever controlled land controlled everything money everything as far as survival so you had land barons you had i'm sure you've seen in movies or you've read in stories where you know kings and kings would give land and actually land and titles were were connected lords dukes uh these were people who owned lands or were given lands as rewards by kings and by rulers land was just everything because it's how you survived and serfs were people who didn't own land you know you, either you owned land and you you had power and control or you didn't own land and you were at the mercy of people who did that was the agricultural agriculturally based society but once industry came about you didn't need to own land to be rich more people could be rich and as our monetary system became more um coin based and not land based right as we switched from a barter system to um a monetary system it it just aided this whole process right you didn't need land to be wealthy you could run a factory you could do a lot of different things um jobs opened up and it actually brought uh it brought the ability for women also to work more and unfortunately children <laughs> um in america in the early 1900s 1920s 1930s um kids were working in factories there weren't labor laws like we have now but you just you had this mass industrial upheaval and they just needed people in factories right their factories uh Hen Henry Ford who you know as creating the automobile also created the um manuf uh, manufacturing i'm not sure what it's called he he created the whole idea of mass production like an assembly line he came up with that idea in order to to mass produce his cars but the assembly line is one of it's like one of the bedrocks now of the industrial revolution and our industrialized world 
I mean, it's just something we don't even think about. There's so many technological advances that have happened in the last hundred years, but as a part of the last three, four hundred years of the Industrial Revolution that we don't even think about. It's just natural, like assembly lines and factories. And we can manufacture so much, so many things that before had to be made by hand. And I am a carpenter. I have my own construction company. Everything I do is by hand. But I'm using material that is all mass-produced. I mean, I can walk into a hardware store, and everything's right there. Everything I need. Timber, screws, hardware. Just thousands and thousands of products that it takes just to build and maintain a house. It's all mass-produced by machines and people and assembly lines. You know, it's just this, the Industrial Revolution changed so much about our world. It's the reason you have cell phones and cars. The reason your house is cheaper. It's, it just did so much. But it affected culture, too. It affected how we even view ourselves. But it takes a lot more to, to do something by hand. It costs a lot more. But there are still things, of course, that, are, that have to be done by hand. By the way, if uh, I forgot to mention, but I, I try to always mention, I'm out, out in nature, and it is a frigid <laughs> early morning uh, in mid-fall. It is just cold. It's I think it's below 40. I think it's in the mid-30s this morning, and I'm wearing a cap and a coat. This is, for the first time, I'm out in the cold here. So uh, just just so you know, as far as, you know, if I sometimes I get winded because I'm walking, or you might hear, you can probably hear the crunch of the leaves now. There's leaves falling. Fall is in full bloom or full demise, <laughs> however you want to think of it. Um, but um, back to our conversation about capitalism. So, capitalism really was birthed out of all this stuff the Industrial Revolution, uh, democracy. And moving politically from yeah from monarchies to more democratic forms of government, right? More people were getting more wealth and getting more influence, and and their influence was wanting more freedom, right? And and really, you also have the industrial revolution required more freedom. You know, you couldn't have these old systems of one person telling everybody what to do. It just didn't. It didn't allow for these advances, and so people were just chafing against everything about the old world, the old ways, the old culture, old human culture, which was agriculturally based. And we are so far on the other end, away from that. We can't even imagine what it was like when I lived in uh, Huntington, West Virginia. We went to a technology museum. It was so cool. It basically. It showed a, a house over the last hundred years, and it showed the stages that it went through. And it, so it, it started at 1900, what you would, could, could imagine, like a prairie-style house. And then it just kind of, you know, it, I don't know if it went every 20 years, every, probably every 10 or 20 years, but it just showed then here in the next 10 years, this is what a house would have looked like. And you just saw basically the 1900s house, prairie-style house, was like a bed, a fireplace, a table, some cups, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, a few, a few uh, manufactured things, but mostly handmade, 
you know, handmade quilts. And then as you go forward, like by the time you get to the 50s, you've got just all this manufactured, industrialized stuff in the house. You've got irons and you've got, you know, just the amount of stuff in the house exploded, but also the stuff itself. Toasters, ovens, refrigerators, uh, blenders. You've just got everything. Like the, from 1900 to the 1950s technology changed so radically and from the 1950s till now it's changed so radically the industrialized democratic world the capitalist kind of free market society has just revolutionized the world technologically and that's awesome i mean we love our smartphones and our tablets and our computers and our cars you know, we love the and our refrigerators that you can uh, have a window into without opening, and like all this stuff through Bluetooth can talk to each other, and so you can be driving in your car and you can lock your house or turn the porch light on or see what's in your fridge, <laughs> and your refrigerator can talk to your tablet and to your phone and to your Alexa and <laughs> and your uh, video doorbell can tell you who's there. It's just, it's crazy. Um, I think it's very interesting as we imagine technology, as, as we kind of, our imagination about technology, and when you watch movies about technology, it's interesting to see the difference. It's interesting to see the difference in vision. Some, some movies about the future, if, if you notice, some movies about the future show technology in a very positive light. Like everything's clean and shiny, and there's no dirt, and... It's just like everything is nice and everybody has nice clothes and everything is just spiffy, super spiffy. And then some movies like The Fifth Element or Blade Runner, the future is still very much technology driven, but it's very dark and dirty and technology is almost oppressive. It's just, it's overcome and it's overtaken us. And I, you know, there's obviously movies like The Matrix where literally technology has overtaken us and the Terminator like so in in our human imagination we have this dualistic view of technology is it good or is it bad and I think it's both really like there are great things that technology has done for us out of out of this change in human society but we also wrestle with the downside there's this thing called heroic science um, this is pretty much what defines modernism. Like, there was a time in human history, around, I think it was around the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, where science was exploding. You know, I talked about the difference between the 1900s house and the 1950s. There were so many advances, chemistry and physics and technology and industry. And people had all these ideas, and they were so uh, excited and encouraged by technology it was and heroic science basically was this idea that science was going to save the world it was going to end poverty it was going to shorten the work week to like 20 hours because machines would do all the work for us and we could just like relax and it was just going to improve everything across the board everybody it was going to lift everybody up and it was going to end disease and it was going to just revolutionize everything it was going to create a perfect society and some of the future movies futuristic some of the movies about the future show that image, that idea of heroic science where everything's good and everything's better and it's ended poverty and racism and um, 
sexism and oppression and like we're all just everything's just good and then and then there's postmodernism which is oh crap all this technology could also kill us and it's like factories are dumping waste into rivers and smog into skies and you know all these newfangled products we're using might be causing cancer and we've yeah we've learned how to improve society but we've also learned how to kill ourselves better with nuclear war and weapons of war and machines you know like even driving your car but so there's like this dualistic kind of imagination about technology and human advancement Uh, I passed a jogger. I passed two joggers so far. It's freezing out here. I thought nobody would be out, but sometimes there's joggers on the trail. So uh, it's a beautiful morning, though. Orange leaves cover the trail, and the sun is just slicing through the trees as it rises above the horizon. It's beautiful. It's like we just have this. There's this dualistic imagination about technology. One that we're we're excited about the things it can do. Two, we're also fearful of the things it can do. It's so dominated our world now. It's just come to to define us in so many ways. And so capitalism, I know that was a long tangent, but capitalism is a part of that. Um, you, uh, you just have to understand that capitalism grew up as a part of all of this. And capitalism is a great system in some ways. You know, it's come with democracy and the Industrial Revolution. Capital is just really referring to money, the ability to amass wealth. And, that, you know, the advances in, in even the monetary system... In an agriculturally based system, you bartered whatever your trade was. If you were a farmer, I mean, there were other other people besides farmers. You there was blacksmith and um, bakers and carpenters. You know, there were leather workers and uh, herdsmen. But you bartered mostly. There was there's there's been money. There's been coin. You know, for around forever for a long long time. But even like in the Roman era, it just wasn't the dominant form of of um, trade. You didn't use money to buy things. Mostly you traded goods. You created a good or service and you traded for other goods and services. That all changed with the Industrial Revolution. In fact, money need, needed to flow more quickly. And so with capitalism... You have the ability for individuals to amass wealth much, much more. Uh, more people can make money. And, the, um, you know, people say that democracy gave rise to the middle class. And basically it elevated the income of common people, which it did. But it also grossly elevated the wealth of people at the top, of people... Uh, in the 20s, they, they called these the barons of industry. You know, people like Rockefeller. And I don't have any <laughs> any other names coming to my mind right now. But there's just these people that, through this system, through industrialization, just became the barons 
of capitalism um, and industry. And um, part of the issues in the early 1900s with industry was that governments favored industry over people. And so one of the first issues with capitalism and democracy, even though we were getting more into a more free kind of politics, when it came to capitalism, it actually kind of reversed our freedoms as in the individual, as the, the kind of lower class or middle class. I don't know if there was truly a great middle class in the 1900s, but the lower class were just... They might have been free from government, but they were enslaved by industry. And governments came in on the side of industry. It was important that people still get their coal to heat their houses in the winter. And if coal miners decided they, didn't, they weren't being treated fairly and they were, they were going to boycott or um, protest and not work, guess what? The government would send troops in on the side of these industry barons. <laughs> There's a plane, a small hobby plane going over. You can probably hear it. So these, these democracies were favoring industry, not individuals. More often than not, there's just there were no la- real labor laws, and that's out of in the 1920s and 30s. That's why um, unions formed. They were labor unions. They were uh, they were organizers that came to try and help protect workers in factories because there were no there were no age requirements or you could put kids to work because their hands were smaller and they could put them inside things that adults couldn't. And, so, and there were no no such thing as like work weeks. You know, you there was no um, there were no limits on what you could do to people and how you could use people. How industry could use people for its own sake. And that was in the just in the 1900s. And of course, you had industry growing and growing and growing and becoming more and more abusive. And governments favoring these wealthy lords of industry. Um. In the 1920s and 30s, that began to change through labor unions. And today, we have a government that, in many ways, has established a good balance between industry and individuals. But all that was still a part of the Industrial Revolution and capitalism. So, like, pure capitalism, you really had pure capitalism in the 1900s. And it was abusive. It wasn't about the, it didn't protect people at all. It was about money. Today, we have capitalism balanced by socialism. We have a government who says, if you're a company, you can't just do whatever you want. You can't work people however long you want, and you can't work anyone you want at any age. There are limits. You have to give people, you have to take care of people as well. Um, And so, while capitalism has brought a lot of technological advancements that we enjoy today, it's also brought a lot of harm, pure capitalism. And so my, my point or my, my point would be that capitalism is a great system for industry and technology, but it's not a great value system. If you look at how pure capitalism worked in the 1900s and how it's changed society and culture, 
It's moved us away from the land in many ways. It's put us in cities and, and it's got us focused on technology more than anything. And if you also don't know, it took, it, it pulled families apart. And not, not that it did that intentionally. It was just a natural byproduct of, of industrialism. Well, you're, you were, uh, you know, from an agriculturally based society where a family, a father would have taken his sons and taught them a trade, whether it was farming or carpentry or masonry, like the father passed his trade on to his son. So there was this natural flow of family at the center of agriculture. You know, you had sons and you worked next to your kids. The, the women would have taught their daughters to sew and cook, and the fathers would have taught their sons to farm. And so their family life was a lot closer to home. With the Industrial Revolution and the factory, fathers were now leaving the home and leaving the home for long, long hours. There was no, you know, there was no work week like we have it. So the the family was pulled apart by the Industrial Revolution. That was one of the first big negatives is it changed the whole culture of our society. And so now you have kids at home being raised by moms and the dad just comes home in the evenings and on the weekends, if that, you know. Um, And even kids were at times used in factories, but there was a lot that happened because of the Industrial Revolution and its effect on the human on human culture and the family the family unit um, and removing the uh, removing the father from the family has had a lot of effects psychologically and uh, otherwise that's one of the effects of capitalism it's still today it's still true today I mean it's become our norm. And I wouldn't say that we haven't learned to work around it. But I can tell you as someone who runs my own business, my wife and I, together, I, because I set my schedule, I'm a lot more free to be around more. Um, our, actually, our dream, our, we're, we're moving towards flipping houses. So eventually we would like, if our kids want to work with us, We'd like to do that. But um, as a part of that, I've been working more in our house because we're renovating our house. So I've probably, this year, because of the pandemic especially, I've probably been at home 40% more than than I would have normally. I've just gotten to spend a lot more time with my kids. Like I get to see my kids growing up. And I love it. I love being around my kids. I love getting to be a dad more. And I, I have more time to do other things as well. That's one of the other downsides of capitalism. It dominates everything about our society. Everything is geared around your job. And your whole life. You, uh, you know, work to play and play to work. Is that, that's not how it goes. Um, but I think it's work your plan and plan your work. But there's something, there, there's a phrase there. Um, Play hard, work hard, play hard. Is, is that's what it is? Work hard, play hard. But you hardly get to play because you're working so hard all the time. I heard someone put it this way: like <clears throat> you work your whole life to get to retirement, but by the, 
you know, you save up and by the time you get to retirement, you're too old to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it's like, is this what life is about? And so while capital, I would say capitalism and industry are excellent at technological advancement, <clears throat> but they're not great value systems. They don't teach us how to value life. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is keeping things in their proper place. And we, we could also call this a disordered attachment or it's about proper attachment. Like your life shouldn't be about making money. You make money to fuel your life. You don't spend your life making money. Money isn't the point of life. Capitalism as a value system is terrible and how it teaches us to value people. So people are in, in a capitalistic, industrialistic society. People are just cogs in a machine. And a lot of these films, like The Matrix, that's exactly what they are expressing. Like people literally become a, mach uh, uh, a mechanism or a fuel source for these machines, right? People are turned into a part of the machine. Um, Pink Floyd has a song called Welcome to the Machine. I think that song is about the machine of the music industry. But again, you have an art being turned into a machine, and just this mechanized world that's eating people alive. Like, <sighs> capitalism doesn't teach us to value people. It teaches us to use people as a means to an end. It teaches us to abuse people. And in the 1920s and 30s, if you've ever, ever read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, it, it's a fictional story, but it paints a very real picture of what it was like for the factory worker. And how just how abused you would be surprised how abused they were, how used up they were by capitalism. Capitalism does not teach us to value people very well. It doesn't even teach us to value ourselves. It teaches us to value money, technology, and what we can do and what we can have. It really kind of pushes us towards materialism as well. Like, is life about getting more and more stuff? And we work harder and harder to get more and more stuff, and we have more stuff, but we don't have more time. In a way, capitalism has monetized life. It's turned people into units. It's turned time into money. It's not taught us to value people very well. Like, your value in an industrial Capitalistic, purely industrial capitalistic society is what you can produce. And if you're not healthy, if you're not able to produce a lot, you don't, you don't mean a lot. Now, I would say that's not where we are. We're not a purely capitalistic society. We have some socialism mixed in. We have, we have democracy balanced by socialism and capitalism balanced by some communism. Communism just comes from the word community. Socialism comes from the word social. Like, we're social creatures. Like, the meaning of life for humans is social and communal. Now, I will also say that socialism and communism make poor political systems. But they're great value systems. And so we need to kind of separate and think about these things separately. It's like, like capitalism isn't evil, but it's or bad, but it's bad as a value system. It doesn't teach us how to value people. It's good when it comes to technology and producing technology. I mean, 
I worked a few years ago putting some lights in at Texas Children's Hospital, and they were building a 19-story addition to their hospital, and there was thousands and thousands of workers there, just so many different trades in there, and they, they were building 19 stories on top of an already 10-story uh, wing of the hospital. It's a huge, I mean, it's just it's bigger than you could imagine. It looks like it looks like a skyscraper. It's like many skyscrapers put together. But I was so amazed. They had this area called the muster area where they would meet. And it could house like 300 people. They would meet there. They would have their lunches there. But I was so amazed at how organized. Like, how do you get a group of people together to build a skyscraper? Like, I can't even imagine the logistics of that. That is the beauty of industrialism and capitalism that we can organize together and build and create and advance technology and cities and just so much. There's so much that has, has been done that's, that is genuinely good. Advances in medicine, science, technology. And you can fly around the world now. You can visit lots of places you never could before. Automobiles and planes. But capitalism is not a great value system. It teaches us if, if that's all we care about is advancing technology. Um, you may or may not know some of what Hitler did to Jews during the Holocaust. And for the sake of science, he experimented on Jews because he didn't care about them because they had no value to him. And so he, for the sake of advancing science, they, uh, they um, executed all kinds of experiments and they discovered some really interesting things, but they killed a lot of people. Like, that is pure science and pure capitalism. I shouldn't say pure science, but that's pure industry and capitalism, where advancing technology trumps the value of people. And so uh, we have this tension in our society. Capitalism is a poor value system. Socialism is a great value system. So is communism, but they're poor political systems. And, and as political systems, they've created a lot of abuse. Like Governments shouldn't try to force community and social order. It should come from us, from us, us as individuals. And democracy has been able to incorporate some good communism and socialism in the sense that it has allowed for people to choose for themselves how their society should work. There's freedom for us to choose what we believe religiously and politically, what we believe about everything, our values. Like that's the touch, that's the touch of socialism and communism. Um, with democracy, which doesn't have the government choosing and social engineering our society, right, or our communities, Pure communism and socialism have the government engineering these things for us, whether we like it or not. So democracy balances those things too. But those things balance industrial, industrialization and capitalism, industrialism. Like, it takes all these things working together. The point of our human experience, I believe, is community. It's not capital. It's community. It's not making money. It's making friends. It's about people. It's about love and relationship. But 
in many ways we have to be careful in our pursuit of money and security that we don't wreck what's at the center of our human experience, what should be at the center, which is relationships. That we understand and we value people. I run a business and I think about this a lot. You know, I work in construction and there's all kinds of horror stories about bad experiences on both sides, actually. There's, there's stories about people who hired a contractor to do some work. They paid them. And they did part of the work. They got paid for the whole job and then they took off. They didn't complete the work or they didn't do great work and they wouldn't come back and fix it. And then on the other side, there's, there's construction workers who did the work and couldn't get paid. They got paid partial, but the customer wouldn't pay them. Well, those both are stories about people that, that who care more about money than people. You know, I, I, I really enjoy the um, uh, renovation phenomenon that's, that's, you know, that is HGTV and the DIY network. Like, it's really, I really enjoy watching those shows like Fixer Upper and Flipper Flop and... Um, uh, the Property Brothers. Like, what I really enjoy, I think why those shows are so popular, not because, just because people like seeing a space renovated, though that's true, but what I think the most successful shows, like Hometown, people really like those shows because those people, Aaron and Ben Napier and Chip and Joanna Gaines, like, they care about people. Like, when they go to do their job, they're not just doing a job to make money. They care about giving someone something good. They care about people. They're helping people. And so they're putting people first. They're putting people at the forefront of their even their business. People matter the most. And I think we like those shows because we see people caring about people. Because that's what matters. The opposite is also true. I see so many commercials they use the words family and friend and, you know, I think car salesmen are the worst. Like, we treat you like family. You're just a friend here at our business, you know. We care about people. We're a hometown bank. We, we love you. You're family to us. Well, that's just marketing. Why? Why does it work? Because we, that's what we want. We want to be valued as a person. Not as a cog in a wheel, not as a unit in industry, right? We don't we want to be humanized, not dehumanized. It's the it's dehumanizing to just be a producer, a cog in a machine, a part of a of an assembly line. Only essential as a worker. <laughs> Only essential because I can produce something or do something. Only valuable based on how much money I can make. Money is power. Knowledge is power because it gets us money. (laughs) I have a few college degrees and they didn't give me much money. I paid for those degrees. I paid money. The whole idea of our college system is the same. It's It's the ability to make more money. But we know deep down that's not what really matters in life. 
but we wrestle in our industrialized world with the value, our own value. We can attach our value to things that don't really bring us value, monetary value. Our value isn't monetary, but we have to be careful in a society that has really at the far end of, of the industrialization of the world, how we value people, how we've come to think about people. The most valueless people, the old, the crippled, the maimed, the poor. Jesus, those are the people Jesus hung out with, the powerless, the poor, the lame. Those are the people he most touched and tried to lift up. Those are the people that the systems of his day were oppressing or casting to the side. And that's what we have to do today, too. We have to be careful we're not casting people to the side or treating people based on money, how much money they have, or what they can do for us. Capitalism as a value system is terrible. It doesn't teach us to value people. It teaches us to use people. And I, you know, I started to talk about this, but like when it comes to my business, um, you know, I work construction. I do a lot of home remodeling. So I have to bid a job. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Sometimes I make more, sometimes I make less. But I always do the right thing. I always do the job well. And in the midst of it, I care about the people I'm doing the job for. Of course, with my job, it's a little different. I work in people's homes, and so I get to know people. But, um, you know, you can take that so many different ways in this, in this business. You can just be about the job. And people are just an inconvenience, and they're in your way, and you don't care. But I think what I really like about the job is the people. I get to do, I get to make changes for people and help people improve their homes. But I care about people. That's why I think these shows like Fixer Up are so popular because they care about people, and you can see that they're family oriented, and they live close to the land as well. I think it's good to get out into nature. It's healing and wholesome for us to get back in tune with nature and the rhythm of the earth and the rhythm of nature. It can teach us things about our humanity. It can teach us things about ourselves. It causes us to slow down, to take a breath, to enjoy the beauty of the world, not just the beauty of what I can make or produce or get or take but the beauty of things that are all around me that are given. Capitalism is great at producing things, making things, harnessing people, organizing and focusing groups of people to produce good things. And that has some value. But don't base your value on what you can produce or earn or make. And Because when you do that, it's how you, how you view yourself is how you view others. If you view yourself as, as only valuable in what you can produce, you're going to look at everyone else that way. 
what they have, what they don't have, what they dress, what they drive, the house they live in, you know, the haves and the have-nots. That's how you'll see the world. That's what capitalism can create, the haves and the have-nots. It's about what you have. It's not about love and relationship and who you know and who you're known by. It's always about producing. And I worked retail for a while, and I, I was actually up to be promoted to a manager. I turned it down. Because I saw what the management culture was like. People, like they had, they had uh, 40 hour and 50 hour managers. But most of them worked 60 to 70 hours or more. Because they were salary. And it sounds great. Like you'll make this amount of money no matter how much you work. Like that sounds like a good game. Unless, unless you're working so much that it, it actually, you're actually making less than the people that are under you who are hourly. <laughs> because you're working so much that it translates to so much so little per hour and that's what i saw i was like i'm not gonna this company this company is more about itself and producing units and income than people like so much corporate culture is very toxic because it's about the corporation not the people at the same time when i i in that same company that retail company i actually got promoted to a different position with an inventory crew and we floated between stores and so we had a kind of an anonymity we were considered corporate not store employees so what we worked in the stores so we kind of were free and my my boss one of the best bosses I've ever had Jonathan Biggs I think was his name he cared about us his mentality was I take care of you because you do the work and you make me look good so I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that you're you got what you need and like you need a day off fine. You need something fine. You know, I'm here for you. He was he really had a servant mentality as a boss. He cared about us. One of the best bosses I've ever had. Um cuz I knew he cared about me. I was, I mattered. I wasn't just a cog in a machine. I think it can be hard in our relationships at work to begin to really see people and value people sometimes. We have to look at our own hearts, of course. We also have to understand the culture we live in and society we live in and, and like what is good life and what is the purpose of life? What is the focus of life? Is it relationship? Is it people? Or is it industry? Are people just a means to an end? I don't know if I've really <laughs> made any great points, but I've, I hope I've made you think about life and what it's what it's worth, and just where we've come as human as humans and as as a human culture. I think I think that we feel this tension. I talked about those two kinds of futuristic movies where the one where life is amazing and science is just science the heck out of everything and everything's good and everybody's happy. And then that other picture where people are suffering and there's technology, but it's really more oppressive. It's really robbed us of our humanity. <clears throat> well, both of those are true today. Both of those are 
actually reality today, <clears throat> technology, industry, capitalism, has is both good and bad. But it's what you do with it. It's how you let it affect and influence you that matters. I'm not saying you should go throw all your phones in the trash and your car keys out the door and just go live and go homestead, although that's becoming a phenomenon. Because people are seeing the value of get, drawing closer to home. You don't have to go that far to that extreme. But you can check your heart, how you value people, and where are your priorities. There's a, a Bible verse that says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money. It doesn't say all evil. It says the love of money. When we love money more than people, we actually love money more than ourselves. When we sacrifice our lives for the sake of money, we lose our life. We, we willingly become a cog in a machine, a part of the system, a unit, a production. We willingly submit to that. Or we can choose, we can choose to value family and friends and relationship more. We can value people for who they are, for their heart, just the fact that they're human, not because they produce something or don't produce something. Capitalism, it's great for producing things. Technology, industry, it's not a great value system. Don't let capitalism determine how you value things, people, and yourself. We can see the whole earth under industry and capitalism is actually straining and withering and suffering. Like we recognize the need to rein in industry for the sake of our planet. We cannot keep, cons we cannot continue to consume like we are. Consume and consume and dump all the waste and the oceans and like the planet is being affected. Human culture is being affected, society, family, all for the sake of industry and producing things and more things. There's a cost. We must be balanced. I'm not saying throw capitalism and industrialism out the window. I'm saying we must be balanced. We must be, we, and we must understand what makes life good isn't better technology, but better relationships. And you have a choice. There's two futures in front of you. There's the dark, oppressive technological world, and there's the bright, shiny, beautiful technological world. <laughs> but it has to do with how you value yourself and people, and whether or not you let capitalism dominate. <clears throat> or it's just a part of the scenery. It's a good part. It's produced many good things. But it's not what makes life the best. Morning. Good morning. What makes life best is family and relationships. Not how much money you can make and how many things you can have, but how many people love you and how many people you love. That's the pith and the marrow of life. <sighs> All right. Yeah, thanks for paying attention and for listening. Um... I hope you've pulled some good things from this. I don't know. 
<laughs> this one was different. I don't know if this was good or not, but maybe it'll do some good for you and make you think about what you value in life. And that's the point. Whether you value people over things or things over people. What is this? What is success? I think it's successful relationships. Not a successful business or successful bank account. <laughs> All right. This has been the Construction Monk Podcast. I'm your host, J. Randall Ori. I love all of you, and I want you all to be thriving and healthy and happy and to understand what that means and what that takes. So I hope this podcast has just helped you think about these things and think about what, what you value in life and where you're going and what you're trying to achieve in your life. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for paying attention. See ya.